0: The text is the Gospel reading, which you just heard uh, about Mary and Joseph's experience in the temple. Well, Marlene and I regularly walk at the the, uh, Smart Center. She puts me through two miles a day, five days a week. And uh, we came back from Christmas break when the Smart Center was closed. And as we were walking, of course, the regular group that was there, well, how was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. And I thought, well, did they mean it was great, or is that something like the response you get, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Just perfunctory response. Well, what dawned on me was something I had read in Psychology Today, which observed the winter holidays are sold as a time of celebration, love, indulgence, and gratitude, and come with an implicit expectation to be happy. However, These festive joys are often served with a cocktail of unhealthy behaviors, forced hibernation, and emotional upheaval that can inevitably lead to a low mood, depression, and anxiety. So given the odds, I would have expected that of all the people who were asked, how was your Christmas, I would have expected at least one person who might have said, it was terrible, worst day of my life. Hope it never is this bad again but maybe i was hoping for too much honesty what about your christmas did you experience the highs and the lows attributed to this time of the year all was merry and bright while the guests were there while you were feasting enjoying those special christmas cookies and the thoughtful gifts you received from one another, but boy, once the gifts lift and you were left with a bunch of dirty dishes and wrapping paper mountains high, maybe your happiness walked out the door too. Our gospel reading suggests that if you experienced both ends of the emotion, both the highs and the lows, celebrating Jesus' birth, you weren't the first. Joseph and Mary go to the temple to perform the rites of purification in their boy's circumcision, which should have produced a mountain of joy the same way you would feel joy when your child was baptized. A great time to celebrate, no doubt about it. And on top of that, there they meet this old man who identifies this eight-day-old child as the light who will reveal God to the nations and himself will be the glory of God's people, Israel. What he's saying is this child is the salvation that's been promised ever since Adam and Eve thought God was trying to pull one over on them by not giving them all that they needed to be just like him. Wow, this is the child who was forecast and prophesied to crush the ancient serpent's head. And with this announcement... Another uplifting piece of that promise is set in place right alongside what the Shepherds reported they had seen out in the field as the Angels made that spectacular announcement to them. Well, who wouldn't be surprised if they were told good news about their child? Hey, your boy is gonna be the star quarterback of an NFL team and will be the most renowned player in all of the franchise history. Joy to the world. Or your daughter's gonna sit on the Supreme Court. Wow, that's really great. But what if after those announcements, the same person said about your son, but in his last game, he's going to have a spinal fusion that's gonna cripple him for the rest of his life. Would there be so much joy to the world then? Or what if they said, oh, your daughter's going to be in the Supreme Court, but she's going to give so many opinions that will wreck this country and drive a division even greater than exists. Would your joy be complete then? Right after Simeon says these marvelous things about what that child is going to do, and Mary's emotions must be at the peak, all of a sudden they fall like an elevator whose cable has been snapped right down to the ground floor. And if Mary had said, oh, Simeon, tell me more about this son I'm going to have, she would have regretted saying that because he goes on and says, this child is appointed for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against, and as if that ain't bad enough, your own soul is going to be pierced with a sword. Boy, from prophecy of joy to prophecy of pain, all in the span of a few words. And I'm sure Mary will forgive us if we think, I wonder if she thought at that point, wow, Gabriel never told me about this part of the deal in raising God's son. So amid the joys that come with celebrating the birth of our Savior comes a sad reality. As praises ring to God our King, this text forces us to remember all the consequences that are going to follow from this marvelous birth, and they're not all very pretty. For all of his glory, he's going to be a sign spoken against and continues to be a sign spoken against. Not everyone received him then, and not everybody receives him now. Not everybody believed his claims then. Not everybody believes them now. And while they obviously believed he existed then because they saw him, a whole lot of people today don't even believe there was such a person as Jesus. Oh, a lot of these people go along with the trappings of the holiday. They're very pleased and happy to set up a tree maybe, prepare the foods, enjoy the presents... But the reason for the season does not really touch their lives in any other way except a brief celebration. And in these cases, a quiet sadness comes over us because we have family and we have friends who are in that category. They don't believe the claims about him. Oh, maybe they were baptized, maybe they were even confirmed. But for them, that confirmation day was the very last day They set foot in a church. Oh, now they tolerate our beliefs about all this, but please just don't pressure us to believe it now either. Their trust isn't in the God who made the heaven and the earth, whose Son took on human flesh to come and save us when Satan's power led us astray. No, their hope is in another god. And you remember how Luther defines a god. Any one or thing in which you put your trust, your love, and fear. And there are plenty of things that these others celebrate and look forward to with great hope. One of those gods is the salvation proposed by artificial intelligence. Others, it's progress. Others believe in humanism, others call it scientism, others call it environmentalism, others rally behind the flags of LGBTQ, others think their political party is that which is going to save them, the country, and perhaps even the world. That they are not with us in worship as they were when they were our children or little children or grandchildren, pierces our hearts just as the fate of Jesus pierced Mary's heart. We pray for their return. We ask God to lead them back to repentance and fulfill our joy. We ponder these things in our hearts as Mary did. And maybe we try to lay these concerns aside so that we can have some spiritual rest. And just as we think, we're not thinking about it. Along comes Christmas and Easter, and it's like the scabs are torn open again. And there they are, absent from our spiritual life once more. But look, knowing what Mary knew about Jesus, she moved forward. Yeah, she had her times of doubts, no doubt about it. Along with her children, she thought Jesus ought to be brought in from his work because he was crazy. Save him from this foolishness he's spouting. And so they wanted to bring him away from the crowds. Well, Mary changed her mind later on. She came around. James, Jesus' half-brother, was one of those who wanted to, quote, rescue him by bringing him away from the crowds and stop the family embarrassment by all that he was saying. Well, history tells us he became the first bishop of the church in Jerusalem. Well, what do you know? Resurrection has a strange effect on a lot of people's lives, doesn't it? Job isn't the only one who, after a big family blowout, would offer sacrifices for each of his children, thinking perhaps they've sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And any parent who is concerned about their children or grandchildren or friends' welfare offers sacrificial prayers along the very same line. Dear God, bring them to repentance. Dear God, bring them back into the fold. And so we continue to live with the tension that this creates at Christmas time, appreciating and reveling in a love that has shown been shown to us in the manger. So when the hymn writer asks the question, What child is this? In faith, thanks to the Holy Spirit's work in us, we can shout and sing, This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds marked and angels sing. While we were still sinners, this child came to die for us and all the ungodly. That's the joy. And we also give thanks to God that he is, as Peter reminds us, a God of patience, not wishing any to perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. And we fervently hope that as Mary's sadness came to an end in this regard, so will ours. In fact, it's more than a hope. It's something that John wrote about in the book of Revelation. On the last day when Jesus returns, he says, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes as he creates the new and the old vanishes. May this be your joy that never ends. May yours be the joy that we await to be fulfilled when he does return a joy that knows no ends, a joy that knows no downs. It is solid rejoicing in God our Savior. Amen.